This is an Area Code podcast. Hi, I'm Amy Simmons. And I'm Crispin Mayfield. And welcome to the Attached to the Invisible podcast. So excited to talk about Frozen. <gasps> Frozen! Because <laughs> I think we both have, like, you know, connections to it, so. I did. I sat in my backyard um, to sort of prep, so I listened through the music from Frozen 2, um, and I was just sort of drinking my cider and listening to Frozen 2, and I did tear up a little. I was like, mm-hmm. man, I'm such a softie. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So, yeah, I mean, what? we'll just jump right in. Uh, so, actually, we should just clarify, like, why are we talking about Frozen on a podcast about attachment and spirituality? Uh, basically, we're dropping the spirituality for a moment, and we're talking about attachment and Frozen, uh, because it's just... It's such a clear picture, I think, of like the different strategies and styles. Um, yeah. And Amy and I both realized at some point that we both, uh, that Frozen holds a special place in our hearts. Correct. So, yeah, tell me about what Frozen means to you. What does Frozen mean to you? Um, when did you accept Frozen into your heart? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, Frozen came out when I was in. I think I was in grad school. That might not be true. It might be the winter before I was in grad, my first winter of grad school. It has to have been because, so I had like just gone through my first like big breakup of my adult life uh, and was just all in my feels. And my best friend and I um, watched Frozen, I'm going to say every single day for an entire winter to the point at which our other roommates were like, what is wrong with you? You're adult women. And we were like, it's right, I was just say, perfect. I did the same thing, but it was because I had a three-year-old. So. Yeah, so it's different. Um, and we both are people who like definitely had an experience of childhood where we were like grown-ups really early. Um, mm. And so I think that, that there was probably something kind of like healing and just us like leaning into this like childlikeness together, but also this thing that gets you like deep in your feels. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, I obviously watched Frozen 2 as soon as it possibly, I possibly could um, and loved every second of it. Um, I was just listening to it. I'm like, this is just like really about reparenting yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, we can turn anything into an attachment subject. That's true. What about you, yeah. Crispin? What do you love about Frozen? <laughs> um, yeah, so it was when uh, Ramona was, my daughter Ramona was three, I believe, when Frozen came out. Okay. So um, it was the first movie that we took her to see at the theater. Okay. Uh, also happens to be like when we realized that uh, she had a sensory processing disorder. We didn't know that's what it was then, but we were okay. like, whoa. Yep. Uh, this kid just totally melted down after we took her to this movie. Um, but we listened to the soundtrack over and over and over again. Um, and it was the winter, um, that we lived, one of the winters we lived in Minneapolis and it was the eighth coldest winter on record. Oh. So, uh, it was just like, you know, a terrible winter, which is like, what, what yeah. else would you listen to other yeah. than the Frozen soundtrack? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, uh... <laughs> Uh, three or four years later, um, my wife and I went, we had our 10 year anniversary. We went to Disneyland. Um, and cause that's what we like to do together without our kids. Again, sensory processing disorder. Like our kids are going to enjoy, uh, Disneyland at some point, but not at yeah, this point. They just need a little more time. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, we've gone there like three times without our kids. Um, and I love it. we love it. I love yeah. it. It's great. Um, and we watched Frozen the Musical, um, <gasps> which is at California Adventures. And I'm just sitting there in the seats and then I start crying. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is totally about <laughs> attachment. <laughs> Like, hearing the words, you know? And you, like, hear the words in a different way when you see something in a different format sometimes. 
And so, yeah, it was just like, oh my gosh, this is like, you know, all the things, um, particularly, uh, the scene in the song where one of the first songs where, um, Elsa and Anna are kids and growing up together and like the dynamic of them, like their, um, relationship and, you know, being shut out and wanting closeness and all the things. So. That's so great. Well, and that's a great example. Um, something, you know, I'll appreciate about Frozen's atta- uh, commenting on attachment, which is totally what it meant to do, right? Um, right. It's fine. Um, but I, you know what I actually think is interesting is I think that Frozen didn't obviously intend to explicitly comment on attachment. That would be insane. Um, but it did intend to, like, comment on human experience, right? Mm-hmm. And the way that that just sort of seamlessly and always, especially when we're going to talk about childhood experience, um, just just plays into that is, like, I don't know, something about it, like, speaks to the to the truth of attachment theory for me, if that makes sense, where it's like, well, obviously when you talk about kids losing their parents and the way that they respond to that, which is what Frozen does intend to comment on, you Mm -hmm. are talking about attachment. So in some ways, Frozen did intend to talk about attachment. Right, yeah. Um, But I think it it does such a cool job of, like, you have two kids who have the same experience and a different response, um, which I remember finding to be, like, really helpful in, like, a very personal way. Sort of immediately, because I feel like that's how I feel in my family, right? It's like I have an older sibling who has responded to sort of the things that we experienced together in a very different way than I did. Um, So sort of that older, younger child. And I'm a real, I'm a real Anna, so. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I can see that. Really? really? Um, So yeah, I think that that's just, I I remember immediately being like, that's so interesting and good. I like that. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, and uh, one thing that I love to do is just like talk through like the different characters and their mm-hmm. how they represent the attachment styles. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have not discussed this beforehand, except oh. you sent me a text. I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did send Crispin a text about how um, Olaf has the most secure attachment, and right, it's just yeah. delightful. Like, there's a song in Frozen. Okay, so hey, everybody. Frozen spoilers. Uh, <laughs> there's like there's a song in Frozen Two that I had totally forgotten about um, until I was listening through it called "When I'm Older," where he's just like everything will make sense when I'm older, and it's just this sort of like delightful blind trust that's supposed to be really funny that he's so trusting, um, mm-hmm. but it's also like just made my heart so happy. <laughs> right, because it's so great. It Should we com- start there? Yeah, let's talk about secure attachment and, and delightful, precious Olaf. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, he is... He's okay getting close to others, right? He's totally, like, open and approachable um, and, you know, approaches others. But he's also not clingy. Like, he's totally, you know, good on his own. Um, yeah, and so... He offers the same back out to others, which I like, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, he's good, but he, like, you know, I think um, I was listening to the, like, Some Things Never Change song, right, mm-hmm. from the new one. I feel like the new one goes harder on the things that I associate with attachment than the first one does, but maybe that's just because that's the music I just listened to, because I'm less familiar with it, because I haven't watched it 12 billion times. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, because it is it's Anna singing, right? Who Anna kind of um, functions as Olaf's secure base, right? He's mm-hmm. She's the first person that he meets because he doesn't meet Elsa until later, even though she's technically the one who created him. Um, again, frozen spoilers, twist, turn. <laughs> um, and so Anna's, like, talking about how, like, oh, like, one thing that's never going to change is, like, I'm always going to be here for you. I'm always going to be holding your hand. I'm always going to... It's like, oh, no mm-hmm. wonder Olaf's so secure. You right. know? <laughs> like... Look at this primary experience he had with Anna, where she's just being, like, great, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just being really, like, loving and present, and because that's the person that she is, even though when it comes to her, her relationships with Kristoff and Elsa, things mm-hmm. get a little different for her. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I think he, he, I mean, even just from the start, he's, uh, he's you know, relationally healthy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's also, like... Olaf and you know 
yeah. adorably uh, unaware and obtuse and, you know, but you don't have to be those things to have secure attachment. Which is like maybe, maybe a cool lesson. You don't actually have to be like super smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like woke or aware necessarily to like have secure attachment, right? Like children mm-hmm. have secure attachment. Three-year-olds have secure attachment if they have secure attachment, right? right. You yeah. don't have to be, mm-hmm. it's not this heady thing. It's, it's much more in that like instinct and feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and Olaf's a great example of what it's like to just be like, yeah, every, like he gets sad too. He has like a range of emotions, but he's like comfortable with them. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I I'm love trying to hero. remember in Frozen Two, which I always want to call like Frozen Two, Two Frozen. Um, <laughs> that, I though. mean, I probably not any more Frozen than the first one. There's a lot of freezing <laughs> in these true. movies called Frozen. Yeah, weird. Uh, I feel like though he gets hurt by someone right at the end on the river. Mm. I just can't remember who it is. If it's Anna or Elsa, I feel like it's Anna. Probably. Yeah, you know, and he like gets hurt and expresses that hurt to her. Um, yeah, I probably should have done more than just listen, re-listen to the soundtrack. No, that totally happens because she says yeah. she's gonna leave, and he's like, "You're leaving me," and that hurts my feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you right? Know? Yeah, exactly. So there you go, expressing. You know, it's not all secure attachment is not all sunshine and roses. No. It's not right. just being being delighted all the time, but it mm-hmm. is delightful to watch. <laughs> yeah, right. When it comes from a very small snowman. Uh-huh. He is so great. So delightful. Um, well, so then we should probably, like... I know that Crispin wants to talk about Kristoff's song. I do. Frozen 2. Um, I mean, we gotta start at Frozen yeah, one. so we won't get there, but I'm just like mapping in my brain. I know right, you yeah. want to talk about that because it's very important th- and hilarious. Yeah, I actually <laughs> think like let's go in order of uh, functionality. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Anna's next. If no, we're going actually, from most to least, Kristoff. You think Kristoff's more functional than Anna? Well, in terms of attachment styles, okay. avoidant uh, avoidant dismissive attachment is actually considered to be. Uh, the the more uh, functional, okay, like le- okay. less impaired, uh, because they tend to actually have like successful lives, and they don't necessarily express a lot of distress. Fair so, enough. So, um, as an example, let's take Kristoff. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, and what? Yeah. How? What is it that when you? I mean, I'm assuming that you see him as dismissive avoidant. Yeah, no, I'm. We're we're on the same page about that one. Yeah, what is it that tells you that he's fits in that category? I mean, the real first song that we get from Kristoff is about how he doesn't want to be around people, um, how reindeers are better than people, which is a pretty classic. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a, a thing that I don't think we've ever talked about, but that is something with like avoidant dismissive attachment style. Is you do have people who tend to be like more comfortable um, with non emotional relationship, right? And so. Mm-hmm. Um, People who are not to say like all dog people are avoidant dismissive or whatever, um, but that there's also like an association there with people who are like feel that's just something we like ask about in like personality disorders and stuff too is like, mm-hmm. do you feel more comfortable with animals than you do with people? Like, that's a mm-hmm. real mental health question. Right. Um, and I do feel like that's something that's true with avoidant dismissive is like, yeah, like you, Christoph's primary relationship is with someone who he's like making up what they have to say back to him, right? Right. He's in, like, full control, like, no, doesn't actually have to engage any higher level of an emotional experience with his primary relationship Mm -hmm. than he's interested in being involved with. Right, yeah, totally. Um, And this, like, the, I mean, one way of phrasing uh, dismissive avoidant attachment is... Uh, I'm good, you are not good. So I'm uh-huh. fine on my own, but other people aren't safe. Yep. And I mean, he says it literally in the song, right? Like, people will beat you and curse you and cheat you. Every one of them's bad, except you. I mean, he's talking uh-huh. in Sven's voice. But yeah, I mean, it's just right there. 
And, uh, and yeah, people with, uh, that, this kind of attachment style will be very independent. They will go up the mountain and chip away at ice all day and be fairly happy. Um, which is why a lot of times they, they, uh, will do well, uh, in careers and Mm -hmm. people look at them and you're like, oh yeah, like you're, you know, a healthy person. And it's only like, if you're in a relationship with someone, close to yeah. someone that then you're like, oh, like I, you know, I can't really get close to you. I can't get through to you. And then there's this whole question of like, I don't know if question is the right word, but why is it that people uh, don't want to get, why do they not want to be close to people? Sometimes it's like emotions are annoying. I just like to do this thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that for a lot of people, it's more like emotions are scary and I don't know how to do emotions. And so uh, as long as I have something to do like in front of me that I don't have to like, then my lack of emotional intelligence won't be seen. Yeah, you know, I actually was having a conversation with someone about avoidance just the other day, and the way that they articulated it, I actually thought was really helpful. So this was someone who was expressing like a fear of abandonment, right? Which is totally Kristoff, right? It's like, we don't really know what happened to Kristoff's parents, I don't think, but we know he was like raised by trolls for no clear reason. So it's like, there's something to that. Um, Is this like going to be resolved in Frozen 3? No, what is the deal with his parents? Where are they? And we like know the trolls aren't his parents, right? They like adopted him and took him in. I feel like there's like one throwaway line about it, and we like don't deal with the fact that Crispin was adopted. Crispin, (laughs) Crispin was adopted by trolls, but so was Kristoff in the movie Frozen. Fun fact. Um, No, um, that Kristoff was adopted by trolls. But the way that this person talked about it was like, here's the thing: is like I am afraid of being abandoned. So if I think that you're going to abandon me, I'm going to abandon you first. Right? Like, because mm-hmm. instead of risking that my feelings are going to get hurt, I'm right. going to make sure my feelings aren't in the game if mm-hmm. I think that that's what you're going to do. And I think that that's probably a pretty, this was like, oh, that's like a very sort of self aware statement. Um, but is something that is very often true of people with like an avoidant attachment style is to say, not always so conscious, right? But like making mm-hmm. a habit of, well, if my feelings aren't around, then they're not here to get hurt. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's pretty, like, high-level true of the way Kristoff is interacting, right? Of, like, well, I'll just, like, not be around people, and then they can't bug me, right? Like, if I'm not here, you can't hurt me. Uh-huh. Right. I love that. Yeah, if my feelings aren't here, then they can't get hurt. Yeah. If you don't play, you can't lose. So. Right. <laughs> yes, you can. You can definitely lose. Um, right. Yeah. And then what we what we find with people with this attachment style, we've talked about this before, is that they don't go directly to secure as they yeah. start to heal. They notice their need for other people. And then they're like, oh my gosh, this is really hard. I feel really, like a lot of times it's like, I feel clingy. I feel, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I feel really freaked out. I'm actually getting in touch with these emotions that were there all along. And what do you know? They're like scary and I feel lonely and I feel abandoned or I, yep. you know, I feel really this needy. sucks. Right. Yeah. And so then like in the, the second part, right. Of in the second movie, we see this with Kristoff where he's like trying to ask Anna to marry him and she keeps on like taking off and he's like, basically he's like, this really sucks. Like, and kind of <laughs> implicit in that is like before, like I didn't, you know, I didn't think, like, I was okay before, and now yeah. this is hard. Yep. Um, yeah. And also, I mean, man, I just gotta say, when I heard Sven in the voice of Kristoff, uh, or, you know, Kristoff in the voice of Sven say, like, you feel what you feel, and those feelings are real, I'm like, good job. You know, at the beginning of Lost in the Woods? Yep. I'm just... So in- good. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. That's Look at him doing some his good. Make it happen, bud. And yeah. I think, yeah, I think that that's so. I remember you telling me that. I'd be like, have you seen Frozen two? Did you see this attachment thing? Because he he even like is kind of acknowledging, like, I don't know what I'm doing with any of this. Was right. this a mistake? Like, was going was getting more emotionally available a mistake? Right. Um, which it definitely feels like sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. There's right. <laughs> To love is to be vulnerable. And he's Ugh. like, this feels vulnerable. 
Yeah, I mean, he says things like, so this is the guy that's like, I don't like people. And then in Lost in the Woods, he says things like, who am I if I'm not your guy? Right? Like, this so, like, sort of like, quote unquote, like, codependent. It's so wonderful. It's so delightful. It's so delightful because, you know what I love about it is that I think that um, if you were just looking at it sort of flat, right? Mm -hmm. If If all these scenes were in one movie, you'd be like, what the hell? Like, right. I was just thinking, who, who, like, this character is I'm, inconsistent, right? Right. But, I'm pretty sure that he did some therapy between Frozen One and Frozen Two. He must have. So he's like made some real progress on. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like, doesn't the movie start with like him being in like a suit or something for her? And it's like that's totally a thing Kristoff movie one wouldn't do. Right. You know, so true. Yeah. Or maybe that's the end of the movie that he does that. But I remember no, that. That's I mean, a that, thing. that fits. Yeah. But it's it's in the second movie. It's like yeah, that's like that's a thing that he wouldn't have done in movie one. Like he's made so mm-hmm. much progress in, and I think speaks to a cool thing. Not that I think people should sort of model their lives off of um, Anna and Kristoff's relationship because ultimately it's like very. Um, it is like pretty juvenile, right? Their relationship uh-huh. is pretty juvenile. Right. Um, and I think, I mean, essentially, I think they're supposed to be in like maybe maybe they're twenty. Like I don't know, they're young. Uh-huh. Um, so it's fine that it's juvenile, and also it's a cartoon, so it's fine that it's juvenile. Um, but sort of does speak to this, like, because I do want to talk about reparenting and Frozen 2, because I feel like it's happening all over the place, um, <laughs> is speaks to that Kristoff is, like, getting healthier with a, like, secure and loving relationship, right? Like... Mm. The, the longer this relationship goes on and it continues to be secure and loving and safe, and obviously like, he's choosing to risk that, um, the better things get, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, the healthier he gets, the, you know, you have them all having, like, family game night and it's adorable. Because um, you have all, and it, it's sort of, I think it's supposed to speak to the, like, okay, everyone's, like, trying. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's, like, working really hard to be, like, a family. Uh-huh. Um, was what I totally got out of that scene when I was immediately watching. It's like, oh, that's cute that they're just, like, trying to be a normal family. Like, they're working really hard, right. so they're having family game night. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, yeah. I love at the end, uh, there's this moment between... And I just realized, I just remembered that uh, back in March... Uh, when Disney Plus released Frozen 2 that we did a watch through together and I tweeted about it <laughs> in attachment. So I just remembered that. And I'm like... Delightful. Re- you should go see what your tweets say. Right, reviewing my notes. Uh, but at one point, uh, I believe that it's Anna um, is... Oh, I can't remember who... I think... Okay, I'm going to have to go back and check this. It might go one way or the other. Sorry, not during to do fake news here. Uh, but basically, Kristoff is like, you know, I thought you'd left me. I've been looking for you. And Anna says, my love isn't that fragile. Mm. And I just think that's like, so, like, that's what any insecure person wants to hear. Right? Is like, Aww. you know. That's so sweet. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do want to hear that. Uh-huh. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. And I was right. I was thinking about like how that's what we want to hear from God. Mm-hmm. Right. Like all these things that we feel like separate us from God. And God's like, my love isn't that fragile. You're fine. Right. We talk about that all the time. It's like, God's not, God ain't shook. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, that's right. nice. I feel like I missed that line. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we talk about Anna? Yes, definitely, because she's next on the tier of functionality. Yeah, Anna is working so hard all the time. Uh (laughs) I feel it so hard. Uh, (laughs) You have that from the beginning, right? Like, yeah, I was gonna say we got to start from the beginning. Like, so like, do you want to build a snowman? Is like so classic, right? Of like, okay, you and it's ah. so good. The song's so good. Um, mm-hmm. But it's you. You have you watch this trajectory of someone who right 
as a kid when they experience this like big shift and loss, um, mm-hmm. like kind of a double loss, right? Is the way that they structure it with Anna because right. first she's separated from her sister and f- without understanding why, right? Without mm-hmm. being able to get what's happening because no one's explaining it to her. And then they lose their parents later, right? So she has this sort mm-hmm. of double loss. Um, and especially with her sister, without that explanation, right, with that, what that breeds in her sort of this insecurity of, like, don't you want to spend time with me? Don't you want – and she's doing mm-hmm. it, right? That's what – do you want to the snowman is all about? It's like, don't you want right. to hang out with me? Like, don't you want to love me? Like, don't you want to, like, it's connect with me? It's a bid for connection. Me? Yeah, exactly. It's a bid for connection. Well well said, sir. Well, that's a got Is that a term. thing? I'm sure. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm sure yeah. it's a thing. Um Crispin always with the research and me with the, um, here's how I feel about this. That's uh, <laughs> why we're a great team. It's why we we're doing great. Um, but then, yeah. And then you have sort of that develop and then she gets so excited about the opportunity for something new. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you mm-hmm. have like the most classic ambivalent attachment thing happen, which is that the first person who looks her way and is like, no, 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 I tell kids this in the classroom, right? So I do education for kids on grooming. Um, Mm -hmm. And we talk about this idea of, like, if something's too good to be true, then it probably is. And the phrase I always use with them is, like, anybody who goes, don't worry, baby, I'm everything you need, (laughs) is either crazy or they're lying to you, right? They're either, like, have poor Mm -hmm. self-assessment because nobody's everything you need, or they're trying to get something from you. And so this Mm -hmm. classically happens to Anna, right? Right. Totally. Uh, Because... She's so ready. Like, she's so ready for someone to pay attention to her that the second anyone does, she's like, this has, this must be what love is. Being being noticed must be what love is. Right, yeah. Especially if she's been just living in disconnection so much mm-hmm. of her life. Um, one thing I think is dope about Anna is that she does have that sort of, like, desperate codependency. But mm-hmm. when her sister goes wild and off, she still goes after her. Right? She's mm-hmm. still ready to go after her. Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool. Like, it's just a cool, like, sort of conquering of self that I think happens there. It's like, well, her relationship with Hans, is that right? Han. Yeah, Han. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Is not is not as important still as this primary relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she's, yeah. she's still, which maybe is, there's, maybe I'm being overly metaphorical there, but, like, her relationship with this person who is primary to her is still more important. And she's still going to chase after that before she chases after this new thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And the more her sister rejects her, the more she chases her quite specifically. Right. Yeah. The classic, uh, uh, pursuer withdrawer relationship there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually like that is, uh, that was, um, what struck me was the feeling in a relationship mm. of that 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 feeling of being disconnected, right? Um, and so that was the line uh, that really stood out to me at Disneyland was like, please don't shut me out again. Please don't close the door. Mm-hmm. And if you've been, especially if you tend to be, uh, if if you're in this attachment category and you know what that's like when you mm-hmm. like desperately want connection and you feel shut out, yeah, you know, I just like really resonated with that. That's She's yeah, longing for She's longing. her sister and closeness, and going to do anything keeps... for it. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because. One thing I I always loved about it is, like, her relationship with Kristoff from the beginning. He's like, you're a dummy. Like, why are you you dealing with your relationships this way? Uh Um, Like, everything you're doing is insane. And the thing is that, like, I do think maybe the movie wants us to think she's not being insane exactly. Um, Or at least not in all of these relationships Mm -hmm. is she being insane. Yeah. but it's that's such a real um, like misunderstanding between avoidant and ambivalent people. Is like, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> you don't make any sense. And then being like, you're being cold, and I, you know, like that's such a co- like classic right. conflict. <laughs> yes, so true. Right, and uh, it's just so stark between them. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they're delightful. Mm-hmm. It's delightful. Yeah, Anna's great. Anna is definitely 
what so this is interesting to me is like Anna is definitely the healthiest person. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I mean other than Olaf, but Olaf's not a person. <laughs> um Anna's the healthiest adult in the movie, and I think that that's kind of a fun thing to watch, where it's like, well, she's definitely got this ambivalent attachment thing happening, but she also has some real, like, smarts and grit to her, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's nice. Like, I, I one thing I always appreciated about it is, like, often in, in movies and cartoons and things like that, you have, like, all of these flawed people, but ultimately you have someone who's, like, clearly, like, this is the person we're supposed to be listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, and Frozen doesn't really do that. It's, like, very willing to have, like, the person who's sort of the most reasonable and loving um, still be, like, highly flawed, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and I, I love that about it. Yeah. I think she doesn't have... She doesn't have the ambivalence part as much as strongly we don't see the like resentment part so much and the demanding part so much yeah there's not they sort of um spare us spare us that right yeah i mean yeah we see her like continually nagging elsa to play Mm -hmm. um but it's cute and it's appropriate and it you know makes sense and we don't see like what that might look like in a relationship where like she continually feels shut out and starts to like criticize her partner for like never spending time and then getting really angry which is all like within the realm of like what's like that's what we do as humans but Mm -hmm. that's the part that's harder to like live with sometimes um or understand i would say it's harder to understand from the outside and we don't really see that with anna so yeah i mean i'm ready to to talk about elsa are you ready yeah okay let's do it let's talk about elsa I mean, so clearly disorganized attachment. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. And, <laughs> uh, and by the way, um, I mentioned um, so that I'm good, like the good, bad uh, categories, right? So I think that's helpful. So Olaf is uh, secure attachment. I'm good. You're good. I can get close to you. That's fine. I'm, o- I, you know, I'm okay. Kristoff uh, was, uh, I'm good, you're bad, I can't trust other people, I'm fine on my own. Um, Anna is, would tend to be towards like, I'm bad, you're good. Um, so that's what we see with people with that like unhealthy codependence and clinginess mm-hmm. um, is like, I really need you in order to be okay. And yeah. we do we do see that with with Han, right? It's like yeah. she. It makes me think of this. Um, I only watched a little bit of uh, uh, Blind Love. Love is Blind, that Netflix show that was like yeah. they couldn't see each other, uh-huh. uh, and uh, you know people talked for like three days and then said ridiculous things like I would die if you know without you. Um, oh, that's and- too bad. <laughs> Right. And I remember this guy, and basically the premise is you have to, like, propose to someone before you can see their face. You know, just great. But anyway. Listen, it's um, anti-objectification. It's not. That's not what they're doing. They're all beautiful people. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, But this woman, uh, this guy proposes to her, and she's like, I really like my life, but I think I would like my life better with you. And I'm like, yeah, that's a great secure. It's not like that's I nice. desperately need you. Um, although there is there is time for that. I think I, I have people in my office, sometimes couples, that have been together for a long time and they want to hold on to that independence. So they'll be like, well, if we split up, I would be okay. I, I would be fine. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> would you? Yeah, would you? And is this what your partner wants to hear? Mm-hmm. Uh but Anna, um, yeah, she, you know, right off the bat, she's pretty, you know, kind of desperate, and um, but she gets healthier throughout the throughout the films. But she, she does, she does. I think that she feels the most stagnant 
um, mm. health wise to me. I think because she starts out the healthiest, mm. she starts out like the least extreme in her attachment style and in her unhealth. And then she kind of hangs out there in the second movie for like a lot of the time, right? Like, that's true. She, yeah, it is interesting because it's like she, I think she's just like able to like the romance with Han. Hans? Yeah, now I'm wondering what his name is. I don't know. Uh, I think it's like, it was just romance. It wasn't super unhealthy. Uh, super dangerous. Uh, but... <laughs> Ultimately, yeah, but... Yeah, but then I think she's like, okay, well, that, was a, that wasn't a good idea. And then, like, moves on. Yeah. Yeah, she does a pretty good job, like, bouncing back. And then again, like, you know... Her right. everything with Kristoff's pretty good, but yeah, in the second movie, you you what is interesting to me is you have her and you have Elsa telling her like the same thing isn't what's happening here. Like I'm doing a different thing, and she's like, no, it's the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. like they have this conflict, and it's like, well, it actually isn't the same thing, right? Like mm-hmm. Elsa's not. I mean, in some ways, maybe it is. Uh, there's some similar patterns, but it's not just the same thing. And mm-hmm. Anna's having a really hard time with that, right? Mm-hmm. Like Anna's flashing back to this big trauma they went through, and she's like not able to let Elsa go. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not able to release that, and even at the end, you can tell she's still having a really hard time with that. Like she's making kind of a like conscious present choice to be like, yes. We will be separate, and we will live our separate lives, and that's going to be okay. Um, but it's clearly still really hard for her, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Yeah, which is, yeah, healthy and appropriate. And, yeah. Yeah. So then we get to Elsa. Ah, yes. <laughs> in this category of disorganized, um, fearful, mm-hmm. um, is I'm not good and you're not good. Everything's bad. Everything, which actually I even like tweeted about this, like in the first, uh, no, in the uh, Some Things Never Change song, uh-huh. Elsa has a part in it and it's like sad and foreboding. It's like this happy song. And then if you notice all of a sudden it's like Elsa's like, I can feel the wind changing and something's not right. And it's like, oh man, Elsa never gets a happy song. Poor Elsa. It's so funny because even at the end of Frozen 2, it's like we're supposed to believe Elsa is happy and it's still like, she seems so like tightly wound about it still. (laughs) Right, yeah. It's totally like Katniss at the end of The Hunger Games Uh where you're like, this is sort of a happy ending, but also like trauma. But also, right? yeah, you're you're still like, oh, okay. Um, But yeah, so right, we have Elsa who is a character who... I think I'm not good, you're not good is it is a great description, right? Because that's Elsa's experience of the world, right? Is mm-hmm. she hurts her sister, mm-hmm. right? With this thing that she didn't choose to be, right? And that mm-hmm. sucks for her. And then right, they lose yeah. their parents, right? So, like, mm-hmm. both she doesn't feel like she's a good thing for the world, right? She's locking mm-hmm. her, she's been locked away and is locking herself away. And then also the world sucks, right? Like, that's Mm -hmm. her actual experience of the world. And so when she has to come out of that, you can sense this, like, she feels drug out of the only thing that she feels like is safe, which is, like, total isolation, Mm -hmm. right? Right, yeah. Yeah, the only thing that's safe is total isolation, right? It's like this, uh, some researchers have called it uh, fear without resolution, Mm. Um, because, and this has a lot to do with abuse, but it's like, if I get close to you, there's pain. Yep. Um, but if I'm alone, there's also pain. Like I'm afraid on my own, but the person that I turn to, uh, Mm -hmm. to get, uh, reassurance and security and comfort, that's actually just another source of pain. Not that Mm -hmm. Anna is hurting her, but like this, like I'm just going to hurt the people that are close to me and that's going to hurt me. So like, I'm just totally stuck. Like I'm between two bad options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously like, so she, she has this isolation. And then when that's breached for her, because it's like, well, the kingdom needs you to do whatever, then she like pursues it further um, Mm -hmm. and has a really hard time receiving any level of input on it. Mm -hmm. Right. Right, Um, Finally catches up to her and they have this huge fight and Elsa's like, get away from me. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's having a really hard time even receiving the input. It's like, no, this, like, this is also hurting people, um, which is sort of ultimately what shakes Elsa out of that, which I wonder, if you have any thoughts on like how that affiliates with the attachment stuff because ultimately it feels like well what shakes 
Elsa out of um, this, like, well, I'll just totally isolate is the realization that she actually can't do anything that won't hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, that's actually not an option. Um, and so she has to choose something better, right? She has to choose to do the hard thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's actually, like, fits really well because people will say, like, all right, well, I'm just hurting you. I may as well just go and be alone. Yeah. And then people step in and they're like, that actually hurts me. I want you here. And that's not exactly what Anna's saying, but it fits. Yep. And the thing that is just tragic about Elsa and people that have uh, kids um, and people with disorganized attachment is you grew up with this sense that there's something wrong with you at your core. And we've talked yeah. about this before, but it, that's it's shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, like, I, I, I really appreciate Brene Brown. Um, and then also, like, I feel like sometimes she trivializes shame a little bit. Um, She's trying to make it relatable right she's trying to talk about like common denominator shame and she's not really getting into like trauma shame you know right yeah exactly so yeah this i love that word like trauma shame this is like emotional abandon emotional neglect or emotional abuse where you get this message that there's something at your core that is disgusting or revolting or terrible right and that's like what she says she's like there's this howling swirling storm inside right which for kids that have gone through emotional abuse or neglect, that is their emotions, right? Yeah. So I feel sad, and I start crying, and then I yeah. get hit for mm-hmm. crying, um, mm-hmm. you know? And then it's like, oh my gosh, I have to hold on to all these emotions myself. Uh, but I'm very aware that they are there, unlike Kristoff, who just dissociates from them. Yep. Right. She's like, I have all these emotions. I'm present to them. Yeah. Right. And these emotions only drive other people away, which is basically yeah. what Elsa says. Like, this thing inside of me only hurts other people. It only drives other people away. There's something so wrong with me. Um, and so, but I can't, like, I can't hold it back anymore. <laughs> it's hard to not just, like, you know. <laughs> Start singing. Yeah. Um, what I think is really interesting, and I think that this is worth talking about, because I'm curious whether you've done any research on, um, like, queerness and attachment. Um, if you haven't, I think you should. I'm telling you to do it instead of me doing it. <laughs> I, have a, I have a thought on it. Um, but, so this was a thing, right? It's like, there's nothing... I've watched the first Frozen uh-huh. 50 times. I would guess... Okay, there's nothing in it (laughs) where Elsa is gay, but the world, and specifically what's really interesting is that, like, I don't don't think it started with the queer community. Who it started with was, like, conservative Christians being like, well, there's something bad inside of her, and they're just telling her to hide it, and then she's just gonna, she's just coming out, and so this movie's about Elsa being gay and glorifying queerness, and that's so interesting to me. I just feel like that it, I'm, I can't know sort of the sexual orientation of the person who wrote that first thing piece, but I just feel like, I've got guesses, because boy, oh boy, did you, like, read a whole narrative into this. Um, But I think that that's so interesting in terms of, um, and obviously, like, heartbreaking in terms of if if that were what we were really talking about here, right? If this Mm -hmm. is, if you know, uh, Elsa's magic, which is kind of a dope way to think about queerness, right, is actually (laughs) a metaphor for her queerness, then, like, yeah, what it looks like and how we respond to being told that something inside of us is inherently is inherently broken and wrong mm-hmm. um, and that we have to hide it away. Um, I think we all get messages like that in a lot of ways. Like, it's not uncommon inside of the church for people to get that about, like, sort of any form of sexual expression, even if it's heterosexual sexual expression. Um, and there are, there are other aspects of that as well. I know that, like, mm-hmm. people of color inside of the white evangelical church also receive a lot of messaging that, like, sort of their cultural expression I, I have a friend um who i was talking to who is mexican and he was talking about how he 
we need to do a Dia de los Muertos um, celebration as like an honoring and sharing of his culture. And he like got told by a bunch of white evangelicals that it was demonic and like how hurtful mm. and painful that was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to be, be told that these sort of like inherent portions of who we are are things that we're not allowed to be and not allowed to share. And the mm-hmm. way that that is going to amplify um, things like something like a, like a disorganized attachment style. But I, mm-hmm. I would be curious what sort of the rates of disorganized attachment in young queer folks who have particularly um, problematic family structures are. I would be curious. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. Uh, I do know that um, in the handbook for uh, God image, um, which is like adjacent to attachment, um, mm-hmm. but it's more specifically about not like attachment to God, but how you view God and what God is like. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the whole thing has been like, well, your your early family, um, you know, attachment or uh, experiences, uh, uh, you know, basically set up how you view God. And there's a journal article in there. It's actually like a scholarly journal that's like. Well, let's talk about being queer in the church and how that impacts your view of God, despite the family that you grew up with. Yeah. Um, but I would just want to say that I have been just so, like, so much of the healing that I've experienced in terms of my relationship with God and attachment with God has been um, on the, like, uh through listening to queer Christians Mm -hmm. because I feel like people like Padraig Otuma, um, who is a gay Christian poet who is in YWAM. Uh, if you're familiar with like super conservative evangelical mission organization, um, you know, I feel like that like if, yeah, I think that's probably the hardest thing. One of the hardest things is to be gay in the, in the evangelical church and come out on the other side with the belief that God loves and accepts you. Um, And so, yeah, I just am really grateful for people that have shared their journey of healing. Mm -hmm. Um, Another person uh, that I love, there's a song by Trey Pearson, Mm -hmm. who was like the lead singer of like a Christian worship band. Uh, Oh, Everyday Sunday. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, And came out as queer. um, And he wrote this song uh, called Hey Jesus. And I can't (laughs) uh, listen to it without crying. um, Because it just, in fact, let me uh, pull up the words. Uh, It just says, um, Hey Jesus, can you hear me now? It's been a while since I came out. I was wondering, do you love me the same? You see, I've loved you since I was young, tried to be the greatest son. Now I'm wondering, could they love me the same? And it's just this, like, you know, like, do you still love me? And it reminds me of Elsa, right? Like, I'm trying so hard to be a good girl, right? I mean, she literally says that, like, I'm trying to be the good girl, but, like, that's not really who I am inside. Not, I don't yeah. think that she's not good, but that's how it feels, right? But that's how it feels when you're told that goodness is associated with this specific set of behaviors, beliefs, and feelings, and you mm-hmm. can't muster them. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He talks in this song about, he's like, I tried so hard, and, like, in the end, I just want to be loved for who I am. And so I know, yeah, I love that. I, I, I thought a little bit about that with Elsa, but um, I just thought a lot about like just core shame, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's in our like identity, whether it's around um, our our sexuality or race mm-hmm. or like experiences early on of being shamed for our emotions or experiences or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. But yeah, I. I just am so grateful to just the queer Christians that I've learned from that like have shown me a God that uh, meets us in our pain and like the really, the parts of us that feel really unlovable. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, and then I think that that's such a like 
awesome part of because you're questioning the whole time. I feel like that's how I felt in in Frozen Two, right? It's like I'm questioning: is Elsa just doing the same thing, or is there something? <laughs> And she's questioning it, right? It's like the into the unknown. She's going like, "I hear you, but I'm good here. Leave me alone. Like I don't want to. I feel I've gotten to a place where I feel secure enough that I don't want to keep pushing forward. But then what she winds up with, right, is this like experience of really serious and profound self actualization. Mm-hmm. Um, is what happens for Elsa throughout the course of Frozen Two. Is that she's will she decides that she's willing to like listen to this thing inside her that's pulling her out of just like essentially I could make an argument it's pulling her out of just coping into thriving right mm-hmm. like it's pulling her out of like I'm making this work and I'm choosing to be happy where I am into something more meaningful where she actually gets to like honor and connect with who she is right because ultimately like uh, the story traces this like well this is why elsa's magic which is the whole reason she has all of this shame in the first movie Mm -hmm. right like not only is she like okay with being magic but she actually gets to like see the way that that's something that was like bred and born and weaved into her and it's it's Mm. actually who she was meant to be right Uh um and how powerful that winds up being for her yeah and we haven't even touched on the whole uh, theme of reparations. Yeah! Um, which I think, like, I want to tie in to say that it it was through Elsa's healing and and being accepted in back into her community and accepted for who she is that she is then able to do the really important justice work that she is being called yeah. to. Yeah. Isn't that true? They both are. They have to see and accept and understand who they are. They have to let go of the lies of white supremacy. Surprisingly, obviously they're not, like, nailing it, right? Because having these two, like, very white-passing women as, like, no, actually they're people of color and they're going to fix everything has some serious problems to it, and we have to acknowledge that. But at the same time, like, Frozen 2 is Um, pro-reparations. and that's dope. <laughs> right. Is, yeah. And also is pro like burn down what the white man made. Um, and I like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember feeling like very like, it, it, it's like that whole, uh, you know, you probably like grew up in the church hearing, maybe you didn't, but I always heard like, <laughs> it's not, it's not like, you know, if, if you have money, it's not like, you know, it's it's just your heart about it, right? So yeah. it's not like it's not like Jesus actually wants you to give your riches away, but he wants you to be willing to give your riches away. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like that was like frozen too. Where it's like <laughs> we're we're gonna do this gesture, but then like at the last minute we're gonna like, oh like everything's fine. You can actually like have a heart that's willing to sacrifice everything for uh-huh. like peace and justice. Without actually Without, sacrificing anything. It kind of works out. Um, right. <laughs> that was my complaint. Yeah. No, I think there's, I definitely think there's some errors in doing it, but I'm proud of them for sort of taking a run at it. It feels like some yeah. significant progress. Um, so that's something, you know, got to keep mm-hmm. moving, moving forward. But right. um, yeah, I just, I really appreciated the, Again, the, like, you get to have in the beginning that Elsa is, like, she's gotten to a place where she's functioning and she's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get to actually have her step into this place of, like, no, I fully, um, I am the person I was meant to be. I'm not just okay with the person I was meant to be. I get to, like, really connect with it and see where it comes from. And mm-hmm. and adds a, like, interesting element of spirituality into it and an interesting element of, like, um, like generational trauma into mm-hmm. it, which is really interesting to just yeah. add that like, hey, like actually like our parents also kind of had these experiences that that spoke to the way that they then decided to respond to Elsa when they found out that she had these powers, mm. right? They don't really talk about that in the movie, but it's it's there in the implication that's like, yeah, they both had these like early experiences with magic as like, a big old problem. Mm-hmm. So of course they freaked out when their kid was magic. <laughs> like, right. You know, like obviously that that's what they did, but she didn't have that information and it wound up being really harmful to her, mm-hmm. you know? 
And it didn't fix it to know that information. That's not what fixed it for her. What fixed it for her was to know that she was meant to be this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like what's really important, what we see in this is like, there is this like individualism of like, this is my identity. This is who I am. But we see that it actually like her identity or her, like who she is, is then uh, part of a community where she serves yeah um and is like part of something larger than herself which i yep. think was i mean you know because like just expressing identity on its own um i think falls short of like what we are like meant for in terms yeah. of like being a community just you Agreed. know a little a little critique of american culture in there just like a like a just a touch of it All right yeah. just a sprinkle in there Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we. I mean, we talked about it. We. We, we did talked it. Through, right. Yeah. I but love... what do you think Sven's attachment style is? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I, he's a. He's a reindeer. He doesn't have an attachment style. I thought it would be a funny joke. Right. Yeah. I was thinking I about tell. like who are the other who are the other characters. There's yeah. I mean, there's the whole. The whole trolls. Uh, I mean, that whole like fixer upper scene is really. Yeah, that's got some issues, um, but also it, I love it. I, don't, I know, right? It's both. It's so hard to understand because it's like that's a bad message, but also like you also like have this thing in there. It's like you can't change them because people don't really change, but also like love changes people. Yeah, which is like such a like such a dope thing to say, right? right. It's like yeah. that's so that's so true. It's like people don't change. Like people right. are who they are, and also love does change people. Yeah, well, and those are both true, and that's like dope. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing: is like because I run into this sometimes with people. I'll I'll be working with people that are coming out of abusive relationships, mm-hmm. and they're like, how could I have not seen these things? Like how, how could I have not seen these dynamics, you know, mm-hmm. where say like yeah. he was controlling or he did this or that. And it's because our brains are actually wired for connection and our brains are wired. I know that's such a cheesy thing, but the, the, <laughs> our brains are like wired to like dismiss the negative things about our partners, which is a very helpful thing. Are they? Yes. Huh. Uh, okay. Good to know. <laughs> Right. So, um, I mean, on some level, uh, and that's like same with like kids do the same thing. Right. So it's like, that's why kids grow up with abusive parents and they have this idealized version of them. Um, and we do that the same in partnerships and friendships, right? Because Mm -hmm. if we just paid attention to our, to people's flaws all the time, right. It would be really, it, and from a evolutionary standpoint, it just doesn't make very much sense. Right. Like the people. Right, yeah. Like, we need to be able to ignore the really obnoxious, annoying things about each other. Not that we don't see them, but, like, you know, that our attachment system takes over and is like, this person is really important to me, and they're more important to me than these flaws that they have. Yeah. Which is a positive thing that then can be used for evil. Mm. And I think that's kind of how I feel about that song, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, like, we are supposed to, like, love does help us overlook the flaws in one another, which is a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Except if that flaw is that that person is, like, intentionally harming you and, yeah. like, exerting power over you. hmm Agreed, Crispin. <laughs> which Preacher. then, like, brings a whole other question up about, like, God is continually hurt by us, and that's okay. Yep. But I don't think that it's always okay for us to be continually hurt by the other people in our lives. And that's like a really been a really hard thing for me to figure out like that balance. But I mean, I have, I have like my quick answer um, to that, which is that we don't have any power over God. (laughs) 
yeah. right? Like a like abuse exists in in as far as someone has power against us, right? A mm-hmm. three year old can try and punch me in the face, and they're not abusing me because they're three, mm-hmm. and I can just stop them at any time. So I'm not in any sort of actual existential danger. They can't kill me. They can't seriously harm me. Maybe possibly it would hurt my feelings, but even so, like I have an understanding of them mm-hmm. as like immature and childish and. They're three, you know, yeah. Uh, because of how, because of sort of, and how much greater is God, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a lot greater than a three year old. No, um, but right, like I'm I am more aware, intelligent, and ultimately powerful than a little child is, and how much greater is God in all right. of those ways compared to me, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. like, there is no option for me to be abusive towards God, right? When people say, like, oh, well, that, you know, person who has no power over me, they're abusing me, right? Like, that mm-hmm. is, that's a, that's an abuser's narrative, right? right. Like, if, yeah. I, if I claimed a three-year-old was abusing me, like, you should be worried about what type of parent I am, mm-hmm. because if that's a narrative I can take on, then, like, I am not aware of myself and my own power and i'm probably therefore wielding it in a very um problematic way mm-hmm. right yeah hey look at us hey we're, hit, we're hitting all the things <laughs> but yeah i'm so glad that we got to talk about attachment frozen. and frozen it's great it's just a great like pause uh from everything else that is terrible yeah. about this year yeah there's a lot that's a bummer um, yeah. And there's a lot that is more than a bummer. Mm-hmm. And it is actually really, really atrocious and painful. Um, but we hope that you guys are able to find moments of joy amidst the struggle for the world to be better. Yeah. And finding security, like places of security, so that we yeah. can do the work that we need to be doing in the world. So, yeah. Amen. All right. I'm really excited. Uh, we're going to keep... Uh, uh, so I t- switch things around. Uh, next episode, we're going to talk about worship songs, which we recorded previously. Nice. Um, but also, we have some cool interviews coming up, uh, like my friend KJ Ramsey and my friend JS Park, uh, to talk about trauma and talk about earned secure attachment. So that is all coming up soon, too. But thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. This is an area code podcast.